This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Your suffering will be legendary even in hell. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! They all they're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, Our introductory show tonight features our Grindhouse Pizzeria, which is dedicated to all things Grindhouse and exploitation. Whether it's extra cheesy or loaded with meat. You'll always get a belly full of hot, nasty goodness. Come on in. Pull up a chair and grab you a slice. The sight of it will live with you or die with you. When you will never forget the shriek of the mutilated. The abominable snowman, the yeti, or is it? A scientific expedition that turns into a nightmare for all but a few with the surprise ending of the year. Sometimes it almost sounds like something human find anything out there well, dr prell thinks we might oh prell's got a thing about snowmen the trouble is that people believe that garbage is can get themselves in trouble it's the damnedest thing ernst if it isn't a yeti i can't imagine what it could be <laughs> i could see it as it was chewing the flesh of tom's leg <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Grindhouse Pizzeria, where we celebrate everything and anything exploitation in Grindhouse. I want to thank you for listening to our silly little show, and we appreciate your patronage. Uh, I would like to welcome my semi-usual uh, co-host, uh, Tom Commissar. How are you doing? Doing great. How you doing, kids? Good to be here. Yeah, we're serving up another slice on the Grindhouse Pizzeria. This is going to be something not necessarily a little different than what you're used to from us, but it's different for us. This is an, uh, a flick that neither one of us has ever seen. It's, uh, right. yeah, and when I, when I was, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. Uh, the movie, well, the movie that we're going to be showing or uh, reviewing tonight is the 1974 Wink Wink Killer Yeti movie, Shriek of the Mutilated, but 1974, yes. directed by Michael Finley. Now, I had heard of this movie many times over the years, seen it on the video shelves once or twice, you know, in a big box, and I just never watched it. I never really thought that the, the cover art was, like, 
it never drew me in. Uh, it's got to be something special for me if I'm going to watch a killer Yeti, Bigfoot, abominable snowman, Sasquatch movie. But it just passed, you know, I just passed it up. I, I just, you know, it was just one of those ones that got by me. And I was watching uh, a film on Tubi TV. And of course, the next movie that was suggested was this. And I'm just like, you know, it's high time I give this a shot. So I watched the trailer. And I was just like, you know, this looks crazy. Why have I passed this up? And I looked at the cover art, and the cover art really wasn't that bad. I don't know what I was thinking when I was younger. But, you know, that being said, I suggested it to good old Tommy K here. And lo and behold, neither one of us had seen this film. You right. Know, right. A 74 film, that's right up my alley, 70s, 80s type stuff. So uh, we'll get right off into it. Uh you know, uh, I know, Tom, you had never seen this. Did, did it ever pop up at the drive-in back in your day? You see, I don't remember. Uh, there's a lot of movies, like, you know, you you you, you forget. Just over the years, you're like, oh, I may. And then you see one scene or you see something, you go, oh, hell yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I saw that. But this movie, when you brought it up, and uh, and um, I, I think I looked for the trailer. I, I don't I remember, but I was like, shit, I don't remember seeing this one. And I'm thinking, all right, well, cool, because, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, 1974, it's like that is exactly, you know, all those movies back then. I mean, that's what this show is about. But, you know, that's the good stuff, you know, that from, yeah, prime from, that, from that time. Right. And, and it's like, ah. And then, obviously, when we, we decided to do this, you brought it up. And I was like, yeah, well, let's fuck it. Let's do this one. And, and then, you know, watch. I'm like, no, I have never seen this. And which was exciting because it's like, yeah, you know, this is, you know, a truly a you know, a fresh, brand new, never seen, you know, movie. I've never seen it. And, and, uh, and it was cool. I'm glad you picked it. So. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad at the people at Tubi for, uh, listening into what I watch and keeping track of everything for once. There was a suggestion that I like, you know, don't mind if I do. You know? uh, yeah, I, I saw it on, I actually looked it up on Amazon prime and it was on there. Uh, and it was free. If you're a member of, of, of you got prime. And I was like, oh, well, shit, cool. You know, so it was like, so like, all right, plug in the headphones, let's watch it. And uh, it was cool. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad. And I'm sure there's other ones out there we haven't seen. But again, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff you see, you're not sure. And the minute you see something, you'll sometimes you even just see a still, you know, you go, oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. So, right, but yeah, right. this is one that flew past me. I've never seen this. And I, I wasn't, you know, didn't even know if I really even heard of it. So I've never that, even seen the... Uh... There's a, an alternate version. I think it was released, and it was God. It was called something else. Uh, Night of the Howling Beast. I've never even seen it at, under that title because it was I've released. Seen, I was reading something. They're saying it was called Mutilated, and also Scream of the Snow Beast. So oh I don't know if Scream of the Snow Beast. I'm, I'm not familiar with that title either. <laughs> so yeah, the, like, yeah. I, didn't, I, I had never seen it under any of its titles. Right. <laughs> But uh, Michael Finley, it should be said that he did a few Grindhouse films, but he was mostly a adult filmmaker. He was also big into tech. He was uh, promoting a uh, new 3D camera when he uh, actually died in a helicopter accident in 1977 over New York City. But uh, he was like, yeah, he was on his way, I guess, uh, to demonstrate some new 3D camera to backers overseas. They were going to promote it and use it for, you know, three shooting in 3D film. And he died relatively young. He was 39, but he, oh, I looked at some of the man. movies he did. He uh, he did 
films under a pseudonym, but he did a lot of uh, late 60s, early to mid 70s porno adult films. But this was one of his few. He did a few movies. He did like Snuff, uh, The Slaughter, The All Night Riders, you know, a couple of biker films and whatnot. But this was one of his few. This was as mainstream as he got. (laughs) And uh, well, Michael, this is for you, man. We're going to review this. Right on. Well, the IMDb synopsis is very simple, but don't pay much attention to it because we're going to be going way past this. There's a this is a movie that set that has a, what we say is a twist, but uh, a twist. <laughs> the twist. All a right. Twist. Yeah. The IMDb synopsis goes as follows. A group of college students are led by their professor into the mountains of search of the Yeti. The students start to be killed off one by one. And that's pretty much the gist of the story, but there's so much more. This mo- movie throws in everything but the kitchen sink in the last 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes. Um, yes, it did. absolutely. <laughs> and once again, folks, we do do spoilers here. So if you go any further than this point, you're going to get some uh, spoilerific type stuff. So right. pause it, pause the show and uh, watch the film. But, but if you've already watched it, you're, gonna, you're already going to know where we're going with this. But I love the I love the way this starts out. Uh, if it was any other kind of film other than a grindhouse film, I, I probably would have turned it off. It's like if I'm in the mood for a grindhouse film or an exploitation film, I, I'm going into it with an expectation. But if I turn on a, like a mainstream film and it would have started out this way, I would have been like, "What the fuck are we watching?" But <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It starts out muddy. It's out of focus with a title sequence that I don't know what they were even really showing. If it was supposed to be the, I'm sure it was supposed to be the Yeti, but it's so out of focus and shot so bad. And the cheesy music, you know, it starts out just the way uh, grindhouse intended there, you know, and you know, with that uh, title sequence done, they go right into a uh, history lesson by Dr. Ernest Prell. Uh, by the very, very wooden but very maniacal Alan Brock. Uh, he had only did, I think, a couple of films. I don't know that he did. Actually, I'm, I think this might have been his only film. I, I haven't looked uh, today, but when I was uh, doing my research, I was pretty sure he did this film and maybe one other. Most of the people in this film had only done one film. There was a couple of uh professionals that were in this movie that had done a lot of films in the 60s and 70s but it was mostly a one and done type thing but he gives the the brief history on the on the yeti and uh which sets up his you know his uh this college professor getting his students to go on an excursion to boot island uh to go in search of the yeti or the bigfoot and they never call him bigfoot but yeti bigfoot bombable snowman i don't think he cares what you call him but did, did did you not like uh, think Tom like when you're first watching this and he's he's going over all this stuff like this guy is full of shit like he had gone on yeah. an excursion seven years prior and I was just like this guy is full of shit I I just call bullshit from the from the get go. Well, what what I liked about uh, Alan Brock, the actor who's playing Doctor I mean Doctor Prell, when he's at the school when he first starts talking, <clears throat> and you said wooden performance. Uh, he, to me, because it's 74, he would be like that guy, the perfect teacher. He's the guy that's not hip. You know, he's the square. He's the guy that, uh, you know, 
And what I liked about it, there was something about him that reminded me of, of an actor from an older movie. Like it seemed like something like out of the forties, just his cadence and just the way, he, you know, you know, like he, like this was a guy who probably went and seen all his old movies and he wanted to be, he's older now and he wants to be an actor. And I actually liked, I actually really liked him because he was that he was so, he was so much that kind of a guy. Oh, and you can tell talking he was about, giving it his all. He was, he was trying. Yeah, with this is, this is his moment, you know, and, but yeah, when he's, talking to the kids about it and they're all kind of staring at him and he's, he's talking about this trip. He's, you know, it's the perfect setup for a horror movie. You know, he's, you know, he's getting these kids together and they're going to go out in this van and go to boot Island and his <laughs> friend, Dr. Carl uh, Werner, they're going to go stay at his place and go out there. And it's like, it's like, Oh, this is okay. You know, this is good setup. You know, we're going to go and find the Yeti. Like, all right. Yeah, it's like, and, and you're going uh, to a place that's a secluded island, you know, a little place out in the woods on the island. They're going to be, you know, again, secluded. They're going in a van. And it's just like, it's right. everything set up, you know. Two girls, two guys, you know, from the college. You know, it's like, it it's was perfect. very much like a Scooby Doo type thing. You know, you had right. your Velma type character, you had your Daphne type character, you, you had a, Scooby, if Scooby was a narcissistic asshole type character, you know, but right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it was perfect. It was, it was the perfect setup. And what I like, but it was cool because the night before, it's kind of, they don't just like, you know, it's the night before. And, and so there's two interesting things happen, two interesting things happen. Yes. Dr. Prell, Dr. Prell has an interest in uh, a character named Keith Henshaw, who's played by Michael Harris. And he's kind of like the, He's kind of like a good-looking blonde student. He's, you know, just the good-looking yeah, college guy, and you know, star and uh, yeah, a star pupil. Right. He's like the guy, you know, the star pupil, the guy that you know. He's like the, the so he's he's uh, so he takes him. Well, there's two things going on here. The the thing that's the night before. Doctor Pearl takes uh, Keith Henshaw to a restaurant. And they kind of go back and forth. He takes him to this restaurant, and they're, they're going to have this little dinner. It's just him now. He's not taking the other students. He just takes Keith. And right. They're sitting and it's there. a special place. It's out of the way, and it's very uh, hoity-toity, very highfalutin type place that, you know, college kids are not going to go to because, you know, they're right. living on ramen noodles. Like, right. This is a place, like, you know, only special people go. You know, this is like the upper echelon, and Keith is lucky to be there with, you know, the, the, good, the good doctor. And uh, he basically tells Keith, they've got this, he's got this something they're going to order, this special dish that the doctor knows about that it's not on the menu. I'm going to go ahead and order it for you. So they, he orders, he talks to the, the, the waiter standing there waiting for them, and he orders two orders of Jen Singh. And yes. so the guy, he knows what it is, you know, he, he knows. And it's, so it's Jen Singh. And uh, so, you're, which, you know, you're thinking, you know, okay, what, what's going on here? And I think they cut back and forth because it goes, it's not just that. They go now to go to this party with the other kids that are going to go to Boot Island. They're hanging out and they're having a few drinks and, you know, it's like the groovy party. What, what and, I found uh, interesting, though, about the party is that everybody got excited when the guy was done making popcorn. He had the big industrial oh, popcorn maker, like, yeah. popcorn's ready? That was just like <laughs> saying, like, the spiked punch was ready. They were like, ooh, popcorn. Right. <laughs> but I'm glad you said that, because when this, so we're going to get into the music, I know we will, 
But oh, I got a note about this one. Right, I got a note. Right, right when that song came on, right? It's like kind of a corny song. Okay, that yeah, song like, is by like the band. Yeah, by the band. It's a band called Hot Butter, and the song, <laughs> and the song is called Popcorn. Yeah, but the music sounds like like something from an old seventies Pac Man like type arcade stand up arcade game. You well, know. I, song it was a hit it was a hit song it was a hit like disco song it's catchy but not catchy in a good way it gets in your head and doesn't leave corny as hell we, i didn't like it back then but it's funny in the movie and watching it and then they cut i'm going oh that's and in my head i'm going i know that song that's that song's called popcorn and then it cut to them pouring out the popcorn and i'm like yeah cool so yeah, you're right. All the kids are excited. I have to oh, name it again, though. Hot butter. I'm like hot buttered popcorn. Yeah, here we go. This lets you know what kind of a movie you're in for, right? So we're rocking now. So what's cool is now the kids are all you know these geeky kids are all like having the popcorn and everybody's drinking and you know, and then you've got this guy who's like he's a little bit out there. He's a little bit older than the other guys, uh, and uh, you could tell he's not one of the students. But he comes in. He's a guest, and this is. A, his name is Spencer St. Clair, and that's played by a guy named Tom Grail, and he's with his wife, um, uh, April, who's played by Lucy Brandt. Now, they come in, and right off the bat, he does something really weird. He sits down, and he he tells his wife, he orders her to go get him a drink, like now. Yeah, he's, like, he's like a real dick. He, he The way he does it, he's like, get me a drink, and he's like, I said, go get me a get, drink, and I'm like, well, this guy's a piece of shit. Right, right at the back, you're like, well, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? So anyway, they get him this, they bring back a bottle of vodka, I'm assuming. And, you know, he's chugging the shit out of this fucking booze. And he's getting fucked up. So he starts telling a story. And then we realize, we find out that this guy is the janitor. Uh, he's like, you know, three, four. University, right? Yeah. Right. He's a janitor now, but he used to be as a custodian or whatever. But he used to be one of the students we find out in the backstory that he's a survivor from seven years earlier. He went on a Yeti hunt with Dr. Prell. So there's a backstory, and he's like, and he finds out, and he finds out that these kids are going to a, this Yeti expedition. He's kind of warning them. He's like, you know, it gets really weird. Like, this guy's really having a hard time. He's breaking down. He's having a meltdown in the party. They're all. Oh, yeah. He, they're all. He, he, He's practically pulling fistfuls of his hair out. He's freaking out so bad. And the kids are kind of just like smiling, kind of like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? But they're being, you know, nice. They're not saying anything, but they're watching him like, what the fuck? And he's standing up. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I, we barely survived it. I don't know. You know, and he's talking about this, this thing. So now you're like, oh, what the hell happened on this last, you know, thing? And it was only Dr. Prell and, and him that survived and, you know, I can't believe you're going on this thing. You know, they're all just looking at him. And and and, uh, and then it cuts back to the restaurant. Now you're seeing this ginseng thing where they've already eaten it. And they're like, oh, that was, that was delicious. You know, like, yeah, oh, I, I mean, just... it looks like, I mean, to me, it looked like, uh, again, it was shot very out of focus in, in the way they kind of you know, shoot it and whatnot. Sometimes it's hard to see a little bit of this stuff, but it looked like a beef wellington. Like it's what yeah. they kind of like put together, right? Yeah. So they and 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 then he's asking him. Keith's asking Doctor Prell, you know, like what was in this? He's he, 
how did he word it? Like, oh, oh it's, it's, it's a wild meat. That's yeah, what well, he wild said. Meat. Wild meat. Like, and that is like the point. <laughs> that is the point where I, I I hate to interrupt your train of thought here, but I got to say it. that is the point where I wrote down the note. These motherfuckers are eating people, aren't they? And yeah. that was the note that I wrote. I'm like, that's what this is really about. And you know, I like I said, I'm not sure if that's the point when you came in and you're just like, mm-hmm, that's what's really going on here. But yeah, that's what's really going on here. Well, that's yeah. Well, I have the same, pretty much the same reaction. The minute I heard meat. You know, going back to all the other horror movies when there's meat involved, it's, it's humans. You know, they're not. You know, they're eating <laughs> it's, wild. It's not deer, all right. We're not eating venison. We're not eating rabbit. <laughs> you know, we're, we're eating people. You know, like I mean, this is no getting around it. So get in the, I, I had get the van, way. folks. Get in the van, folks. We're we're eating motherfuckers. Now, <laughs> so the setups there, you're like, okay, all right, you know. Uh, so you're like, okay, this is going to get, this is where it's going to get bad. This, this doctor is setting him up or whatever's going on. Something weird's going on here. And then you got this guy back at the party and he, I guess he leaves with his wife, April, I think. And then the other, there's, there's another girl and they're talking, the host of the party. And she keeps saying, oh, I hope the snow stops, you know, like something. Oh yeah. There was one scene I missed where there, he's doing the flashback scene. Yes. He, when, uh, Spencer's talking about the previous expedition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is when he's he's uh, he he goes to a flashback, and you're like, you're thinking he's crawling through the snow. And what they did was they did that exposure where it's like, you know, the, uh, yeah, they overexposed it to as about as far probably as they were physically and technically able to make everything just wash over white. And right. It, like you had, yeah, it looked like he was in some sort of a white, like a snow, like a blizzard, you know, but it wasn't that at all. It was just, yeah, they overexposed it because it was just a way to make it look like it's snowing without actually filming a snow scene. Well, you know, they do use a few old school tricks like that and kind of shooting day for night a couple of times. And, you know, I mean, for the most part, it does the job, but it's, you know, now we're in 2020. It's so painfully obvious what they did. But, you know, it was the way they were able to do it, you know, unless well, yeah. you're in winter. <laughs> that, that's what I thought, too. I was like, okay, that's, you know. And then when the girl, when they're leaving the party, when she says, I hope it stops snowing, I'm thinking the whole time, like, at some point, we're going to see real snow, like, because they're setting it up for snow. But it, it, that, you know, it never really snowed. <laughs> yeah, there's never any snow. I'm like, oh, I hope it stops snowing. And I'm like, where, where? I don't see one flake in the air and not one flake on the ground. I don't know what you're talking about. There's no snow. Well, because right after she says that they cut to a, 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 an exterior shot of an apartment building. And then that's where uh, uh, our man, our old custodian, our, our older guy, he's not older, but he, yeah. he's older than kids, Spencer St. Clair. And April have come home, and obviously Spencer has a drinking issue. He needs more booze. He's flipping out. He's looking through the cabinets. <clears throat> and this is a really weird scene. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got some notes about this one. Uh, you go ahead. You go ahead and run, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, like they, they start to argue, uh, Spencer and April, and he takes like a serrated bread knife. Well, what happens? Well, you tell him that he does find a bottle of booze hidden under the sink. So he yeah, starts, he starts to, to drink it, it and then takes, he smashes it. Well, she takes it, tries to take it away from it, drops in the sink and smashes because she's obviously trying to stop him from drinking. And then that's when he loses it. And then 
go to what you were saying. Well, he takes the, this, yeah, he just goes straight into a murderous rampage. He he after she smashes his bottle of booze that he had hidden, uh, he puts the knife to her neck, and they cut away real quick. But you you know from the ripping sound that you know he slit her neck, and then I, there's this uncomfortable scene where he's still in his clothes. He's got a little bit of blood on his sleeve and on his collar, and he's laying in his clothes in a submerged like bubble bath. And just kind of brushing at himself with a loofah, you know, and just kind of lazily brushing away. And he's drinking he's something drinking a beer. Yeah, he's, he's drinking, drinking a But, like, then she's, it cuts back to the kitchen. She's crawling across the floor with a toaster in her hands. And she's barely <laughs> crawling. She's inching her way. She inches her way across the, the living room floor. She inches her way into the bathroom and he's oblivious, you know, he's not, he's so out of it. He doesn't realize it. She slowly pushes the, bl- the blender, almost the blender, the toaster up over the edge until it drops down into the tub and electrocutes him. And right. why is this odd? You said, because she never plugs the fucking thing in. And if it was plugged in, how long is this cord? I didn't know they ever sold toasters with a 36 foot extension cord on it. Well, they must <laughs> it must, but I was just like waiting and waiting. I'm like, all right, she's gonna plug it in, right? No, no, I don't even see. I didn't even see a cord on that. Thing. I saw, I saw a bit of a cord when she was crawling in the bathroom and lifting it up. You know, I saw, I think I saw some cord, and they, but, but there, yeah, there was no mention of plugging it in. It was just we just assumed it was plugged in. <clears throat> and now he's already passed out. She drops it in, and then you know he's like. Aah! You know, like he, you know, does, like he does the weirdest, wildest scream. It was probably the best acting in the movie because the acting in this movie is very wooden at times. You know, some of it's good, some of it's bad, but it's all over the place. But that was probably his electrocution yell was probably the best bit of acting in the film. I, I have to say, I mean, it's a very funny but uncomfortable scene. You know, because I mean, he, he obviously he kills his wife, and then he's just sitting there drinking a beer in his bloody clothes in a bubble bath. But I think it was unintentionally funny because I don't think they meant, you know, for they meant it to be horrifying, you know, but just oh. didn't quite do it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I definitely don't think that was trying to be, any, you know, funny. I think they were totally going for, you know, whoever, you know, when they're writing it, like, oh, this is a great scene. This is this is a horror movie right here. And, uh, you know, and uh, it, it was it was it was pretty comical. And then that's it. They're gone. He's dead. You assume that his wife died, and that's pretty much the last you see of them. And then uh, it's pretty much we are set into the next the morning. Yeah, we're so in the next trip where Dr. Prell's getting everybody together in his van, and you know everybody's taking their little you know winding road trip up into the mountains. And the next note I had was, it's never good, and nothing ever ever comes good from one of these people when they take down a private property sorry i'm stuttering like crazy (laughs) as it's never good when they take down a private property no trespassing sign there's the chain going across this big you know bridge that they're getting ready to drive across and it's just like you know it's it's obvious that this sign is there to to keep people out and they shouldn't be going in there (laughs) They're <laughs> going anyway, and is this like okay? Like, what is the ulterior motives for this sign? I just wonder. And then they go back, and they go just enough over to get out, and then put the chain back up, you know, and then lock themselves in. You know, they 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 chain the 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 road back up so nobody else will come through. 
you know, and now they're, you know, <laughs> so now they've they're locked them. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like they can't get out, but it's like, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trying to keep out any other uh, undesirables out. Now, I think it bears mentioning that this island is, what they say, uh, did Dr. Prell say when he was brought out that map was six miles by four miles? It was, you know, it was uh, six miles in diameter, I think. So it's a big, you know, pretty big uh, wooded island, it's, you know, and it's supposed to just have a couple of buildings on one side, but then they end up exploring it and there's type of ramshackle buildings and, and what looks like some sort of industry had been done there at some point, like a warehouse or a factory of some sort, which is never quite explained, but I guess in a movie like this, it doesn't really need to be, but again, right. they inco- they get to the house and Dr. Carl Werner is there. And the first thing I said, this dude's a weirdo. He is this straight up weirdo. He's got crazy hair. He's got, uh, Dr. Spock, evil uh, Vulcan eyebrows. Eyebrows, yeah, the eyebrows got me. Yeah, he he looks like if uh, Albert Einstein had an evil twin. Yeah, he's like this, he's like the hip professor of that time. He's his hair's back and he's got long hair, but he's balding, but it's back in a ponytail. And he's got like, you know, you know, the, you know, like, I don't know if he's wearing a, uh, turtleneck, but it's that kind of thing. He's like, I think he was. He's like kind of the, you know, the cool, you know, he smokes pot, professor, he's kind of cool, but he's out there, he's a little ta- Timothy Leary kind of, yeah, you know, kind of, he's just... A little aristocratic, kind of, you know, but yeah. hip at the same time, or at least hip right. for 1974. He's the hip, he's the hip 74 one, whereas the other, Prell is definitely like somebody from the 50s, you know. And, yeah. uh, and those uh, kids so are they, on the pot. <laughs> right, right. Are you on the pot? You know, yeah. so, uh, so anyway, they, so they're there and, uh, and then, uh, they immediately, they start, they start exploring, don't they? Like they're, they, well, they, they kind of go into the house, but they, well, they get they want to go in the house. They're like, you know, do the obligatory, this is your room. The girls can right. stay here. And, Kevin, you stay in there. And then I can't remember if it was um, uh, the Lynn character or Karen. Uh, Lynn was played by Darcy Brown, and then Karen Hunter was played by uh, Jennifer Stock. And Darcy Brown is the epitome of uh, Velma from Scooby-Doo. She's got the big glasses. She's she's very pretty, but a little bit nerdy. And uh, she's she's, like jumps at every little thing that 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 scares her. But I think if I remember, I'm pretty sure it was her that runs into laughing crow he's a very scary guy when they run when she runs into him she comes around a corner he's swinging an axe and you think he's swinging it to chop her head off but he's just chopping wood but i I, the note i made about him he's that he he can't he can't talk he can't speak he's had you'll find out later that the quote-unquote tribe that he was with uh cut his tongue out for a reason that we'll mention in a little bit but the note I made, I made, I don't know if you saw this, but I thought he looked like Fred Gwynn if he was on steroids. Oh, you know what? I didn't make that, but I was now I'm looking at his face. I can see what you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> I can see young Fred Gwynn, right. Yeah, I, I was like, is this a Native American Herman Munster on steroids? Because that's just what he looks like. Now, Laughing Crow is played by Ivan Agar, A-G-A-R. And I'm not really familiar with him. I think this might be his only movie, or or I may be wrong. But um, 
But uh, yeah, he, he did three movies. Um, I looked it up. I made a note. He did one called Behind Locked Doors. He did this one in 74 and then did not do another movie until 2017. So he had a lapse from, 27, uh, from 2017 to 74, but only three films he's ever done. Well, he was definitely uh, effective in a way like, I mean, if they wanted like the creepy, he was like the, basically the manservant to Dr. Werner, you know, where Dr. Right. Werner kind of orders him around and, you know, and he's just kind of, he's, they play him off as being kind of adult, you know, just kind of, you know, and he's just like, and he's scary and he's big, you know, and he's like, yeah, when she comes around the corner and he's doing a thing with the axe, it kind of makes you jump. You're like, whoa, because the way they cut it, you think he's, you know, so he's, 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 you know, they throw that in there, the red herring, like what's going on with this guy, you know, like, you know, and uh, so you've got him, He's in there with uh, uh, with uh, Doctor Werner, and they live here in this big house, you know, on the island. So they, that's set up. We now the weird stuff is starting to come out. Yeah, because they kind of have they have a weird evening before they go out. And, like they get kind of every, everything set up, and they have a weird evening where everybody's kind of getting together. Uh, get the idea that Karen and Keith are not on very good terms because Keith, you know, ditched out on the party and on her. Right. To- out with Dr. Prell, and she's right. giving silent treatment. And then they have the incident with Laughing Crow. And then, like, another note I made, nobody is paying attention to any of the warning signs because the warning flags are just flying left and right here. And another <laughs> note I made was made that was uh, Tom Nash, the character of Tom Nash, no pi- piano skills whatsoever. He has no skills on the piano whatsoever. Jack Newbick, I don't know if that was actually him playing and singing you know if it was somebody else dubbing but he was trying to be all suave and sophisticated like look at me you know the equivalent of pulling out the acoustic guitar and singing well you know, they and- did that earlier he had acoustic guitar so they set him up he had a it was actually an electric guitar like a like a semi-hollow body it was a pretty cool looking guitar and he was playing it in the bedroom there just for a couple minutes with keith and he was kind of like i don't know what he was doing he was just strumming a few things and then he put it right back in the case so they set him up for being that kind of guy. He was a, and uh, yeah, when the, uh, you're talking about the night before thing where they're, they're all out there and they, they were fed ginseng that night. Remember yeah. they, they yeah, ate it and, and they were kind of like, he was kind of like made a, made a point and they're like, you know, it said something to the effect of, you know, Keith's already tried, tried this, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, they're fucking eating people. Come on. Right, buddy. Like right now. <laughs> Uh, and uh and uh and i think one of them wasn't feeling too good after they ate it or something i remember like it wasn't like a big hit you know they weren't like loving this stuff but they ate it and then uh i don't remember how the night unwound they ended up going to bed but then the next morning now they're out they told the flashback they told the scene where warner has his flashback of running into the yeti oh right prell Prell asked him you know have you seen him maybe he's like no but i've heard it and that's when I'm like, the, the flashback makes no sense whatsoever, but there's a reason why it doesn't make sense at the end, because, yeah, they're eating people. Well, yeah. This is where uh, Dr. Werner sets up the heartbeat. The heartbeat, when the Yeti gets near yeah. you, he, it's, he's so big you can hear his heartbeat, and they keep, so when they're doing the flashback, uh, this heartbeat thing keeps kind of reoccurring, but it's like, you know, just like a bump, bump. It just sounds like a drum beat, like dung 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 yeah. dung dung dung. Yeah, because he set up so that you he, would hear that you would hear the heartbeat, 
and you wouldn't be able to see the Yeti, but you could smell him because he smelled so rank and so disgusting. Right. So they've set this up now. We're like, oh shit, you know, this, you know, so, you know, every, these guys have seen it or they've been around it, <clears throat> and they show a thing like, I thought I saw him up in the woods, you know, and I had my rifle and, and they showed this little thing running, you know, a little white, like Yeti guy, like a snow yeah. beast, and it's such, the tree. We've got mentioned it's such a bad outfit. It's such a bad <laughs> Yeti outfit. It was just like it was. Yeah, it, it, but it's it's purposefully bad. Right. Uh, so they set that up. So now it's like, oh, shit. You know, and then uh, wasn't that uh, that first night and they're laying in bed and then they say like to the guys, the girl said to the guys, you know, well, if you hear anything, uh, if you uh, if you hear anything, uh, you know, I'll just knock on the, you know, knock on the wall and I'll knock back and I'll let you know I'm here. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're so they're there and they're you know scary whatever and I don't know was that I don't know if anything happened that night but the next they're in the next day it's pretty pretty much goes right off the bat where they they're now they're they're out into the woods and they're just climbing basically they're just walking around you know uh, uh, exploring exploring yeah. the woods there's really dramatic music. While they're walking, it's like a little over. It's like it sounds like something out of a crime thriller from the forties, like dun, 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 you know. Yeah, the funny. music is a lot more exciting than anything that's going on <laughs> on camera. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? They're just walking, but you're like, type shit. It's just like, okay, they're they're just walking over some rocky terrain, man. It's not that exciting. <laughs> it's like it's here folks but it was it was funny but that's pretty much right off the bat our buddy uh our buddy tom nash um he wanders off uh from the group what was his reason for wandering off he just went to i no. he went he said he saw a deer and he was taking oh, the rifle sure. yeah, yeah yeah he was gonna bag them some dinner so that they wouldn't have to eat the same nasty shit that they had eaten the night before Correct, because he was holding a rifle, and he yes. was so went off to get dinner, and he thought he saw a deer. So now he's separated from the pack, and then uh, uh, he goes out, and I think do they hear some shooting? I don't know if they heard something going off, but he gets he gets attacked by the yeti. Yeah, he um, finds a, he he finds like a kind of dilapidated building. He hears some some rattling noises that ends up just being a loose board from the ceiling that's rattling against the the wall. You know, once he gets that, the kind of the, the red her herring, and then all of a sudden the Yeti jumps out, bites at him, scratches at him. You see a little bit of blood, and then the gun goes off, and then it's that's it. That's all you all you see of Mr. Nash. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, so where do we go from there? I'm, 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 uh, we got, so yeah, so he's pretty much out of the scene. If then they go looking for him, because he, you know, I think they go the whole night. Don't they? And they go looking for him the next morning. Like yeah, they can't. They're, like they're they're bummed well, they, they out. They can't find him. Prowl, he doesn't return. Go ahead. Well, I would say Prowl makes a statement, and he's like, "Well, you know, he's an experienced woodsman, which they're college kids. I don't understand right. why they're coming from the the, the city." <laughs> but uh, they decide that they're just that he's fine. That he probably made a makeshift camp somewhere, got lost. That they would go back to the house and find him later, and they start. I made a note. I'm like, I didn't know if this was uh, 
I mean, Tom Nash is, you know, it's obviously he's killed by the Yeti. And right. uh, Prell isn't as concerned as he should be. Neither is uh, Dr. Werner. But his right. idea, I, I don't know if this is a real, like, Boy Scout type thing or a woodsman type thing. But he's like, what we have to do is fire two shots in the air every 30 minutes. He'll find his way from the sound of the gunshot. And he's like... So they, you know, they're back of the house. They're setting things up where everybody's taking a couple hours shift of firing the rifle into the air twice every thirty minutes in the right. hopes Tom's going to make his way back. But we know he's never going to make his way back. Tom is not coming back. No. And in the morning, part of them, well, out. part of them does. Part of them makes it. Right. <laughs> yes, because he I does get, sort of make it back. I have to mention that, uh, oh, God, which character? I think it was Lynn, the Lynn character that Darcy Brown plays. Uh, she finds his leg, and that's all that, right. they find, that they find at first. That's all they find of uh, good old Tom, piano playing Tom. So, so piano they, man they is reduced to just a leg. <laughs> and he's a leg man. He always was a leg man. Yes, so they was. take his leg, they take his leg, and they're taken back to the house, right? Or, or do they take it? To the greenhouse. I think they take it to the greenhouse because isn't that the point where they decide they're going to use the the leg for bait for the Yeti? Yeah, they make a decision they're going to take the leg. Or was it the one they did? Or didn't they have it sitting on the dining room table and they were talking about it and they had it covered Wait, up? You know, you're right. They did bring it into the house and because the, they were talking over it and because everybody was just like, this is where we're going to eat our dinner. You know, this we should right. this. <laughs> This fucking bone is sticking up out of the leg, you know, they're you know, on the dining room table, you know, and they come up with the idea like, oh, we could, I think, uh, I think this is a big long-winded monologue from Dr. Prell, you know, he comes up with this big idea about how they're going to come up with this plan to use the leg to lure him in, and we can finally get a picture of him and, you know, and find it and show the world that he exists, and it's this whole big, big story, you know, so they end up doing that, right? Is that, where, where do we go from yeah, there? Right? Well, they end up setting it up for uh, for where they, you know, the girls are against that. Both of the girls, especially uh, Lynn, because she was sweet on Tom, even though he like ignored her. She right. was totally against them using it as bait for the Yeti. The girls are all like, "We need to leave." Of course, right. uh, Keith, kind of being the alpha male jagoff that he is, you know, agrees with Prell and Werner that they need to use the. You know the leg as a uh, as a bait to get the yeti out, so that's what they do. Uh, but then I think after that, like they get a big story about uh, finally about Laughing Crow, about how he had seen the yeti, and his people had. Uh, I think this is the point where this in the story where this happens, where um, they tell the story because Laughing Crow can't talk. He kind of pantomimes a little bit, horribly pantomimes, but. Right. Uh, where his he had seen the Yeti, they had almost you know it almost killed him, but he got away. And he was uh, kidnapped. He was kidnapped for three days, and, yes. and, and he escaped before the Yeti ate him. And then he made it back to his tribe, his people. And um, then they cut his tongue out for telling a lie. Right, they didn't right. believe in the Yeti, so they they beat him and tore his tongue out, and they threw him out of the tribe. And that's how Werner got to. You know, befriending him and took him in, basically. That, now that's the story. Yeah, that's that's, that's the, yeah, that's the <laughs> wink wink story that they give. Right. And there's a lot of wink winks in this. You know, there's a lot of uh, 
bait and switch, smoke and mirrors. It's actually, you know, I mean, for a movie that's, to be quite honest, that is kind of, you know, horribly paced and has some very dull moments in it and whatnot. The writing in it is pretty ingenious. I think it was just like the writing was great. The execution of it just could have been a little better. But, you know, that being said, you know, they, they... they gave you a lot of winks and nods as to what you were going to see. And, but they kept, you know, they're letting the audience know what's happening, but they're not letting their actors know what's happening. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then, so basically uh, we, we go into, I think now we're into the next day. We're, we're just kind of, we're kind of just figuring out what we're going to do here. Now what they, they did. Then the Yeti snatched the leg and run off with it. Yeah, he snatched the leg and ran off with it because they said, um, I think it was Prell, and I can't remember if it was Prell or Werner, one of the two doctors, the professors, had said that he snatched the leg up like he's seen him for a glimpse. He snatched the leg up so quick that when he sprung the trap, he didn't, you know, he was so oh. quick that he didn't get him. That was when Prell came back and he was all beat up. Dr. Yeah. Prell was like, he was all roughed up and his face was kind of bloodied. He's like, I saw him. I was there. I was trying to fight him off, and he grabbed the leg. And he did, and that's when like Prell was going through this whole thing. So we're supposed to believe that Prell actually saw the Yeti. So there is a Yeti because he saw it, and he, he tried to, you know, and 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 then so the rest of them are looking at him like, oh my god, you know, and uh, and the, he 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 the, he grabbed the he grabbed the the uh, the leg off the trap so fast, you know, like he just snatched yeah, it off it. there, and then he ran off. But then the next morning, uh, we don't really get an explanation of why, but uh, Darcy or Lynn, her character's name, Lynn, uh, right. is wandering about out the gr- on the grounds. She goes out to the greenhouse. This is where the greenhouse comes into effect. She right. goes inside. The camera stays outside, but she goes inside, shuts the door. A few seconds pass. She lets out a blood-curdling scream. And within about 30 seconds, so many things happen. She comes running out of the greenhouse. Instead of running towards the main house, whatever she saw scared her enough where she decides she's running into the woods and not the house. And within about 30 seconds, she's she's screaming. She loses her glasses and can't see a thing, you know, because she even makes a point like I couldn't see anything earlier because I didn't have my glasses on. So now we know she's blind as a bat. She loses a shoe. She steps in between a couple of rocks, gets her foot stuck, and the Yeti, the quote-unquote Yeti, wink, Yeti. wink, yeah, <laughs> comes up, grabs her. You see the, the, the Yeti swipe at her a few times. Again, a little bit of blood on her cheek, and she screams, and that's pretty much it. We don't see her again for a little bit. Oh, uh, I know what she saw, why she ran out of there. That's when she pulled back that thing and saw Tom's dead body, his face. He was, he was, wasn't he covered up? And she was like nosing around. I think that was, um, I don't think that was her character. I think that was Karen later on. Cause I think. Oh, is that, okay. All right. So I, okay. Because we're getting a little ahead of the game here. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, essentially what she ends up finding. Yes, folks. She ends up finding to, you find out later on through Karen going and investigating that. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. That Tom Nash's body is indeed in the greenhouse. Even though that the body was, you know, quote unquote, never found by Dr. Prell and Werner and Keith and any, everybody, all they supposedly found was the leg. But then, you know, Karen ends up seeing the body in there because later on they try to convince Karen that she did not see what she thought she saw. 
Sorry, they, folks. I jumped way yeah, ahead. <laughs> we jumped way ahead here. But that's okay. We, you know, we're, like I said, we're, we're, we're spoiling the, this whole thing. It doesn't matter what order we spoil it in, right? <laughs> right. Well, really, I mean, so, um, I mean, the, what happens is they end up putting, uh, they f- end up finding uh, uh, Lynn's body and they put right. it aside. And then I think it's the next day because. Karen is just like, we need to leave. We need to leave. Keith is still fighting. Like, no, we're going to stay here. She's like, well, give me the keys. I'll leave. And Dr. Prell's like, I can't allow you to do that. You know, we need to find the Yeti. That's more important than any of us. It's just like, yeah, but is it though? Is it really that important? But we'll find out right. you know, the gist of the story later on. But Prell's a dick. He just flat out, like in the middle of arguing, just belts Karen right in the face. He just and right. he can't just do anything about it. And like, like, hey, dude, you know, like I know you're my doctor or my professor and I respect you and all, but you know, uh don't need to be punching my girlfriend in the face, you know. I well, mean he does the classic where like if somebody's hysterical, especially in older movies, it's like somebody slaps him really hard to bring him back to reality. Like, you know, like like yeah. I do when she started screaming, I'm like, okay, he's gonna slap her really hard, like right about now. Wow, yep. you know, it was, like, it was like, and that's what he does, and yeah, and 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 her 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 boyfriend, old Keith, he doesn't jump in and say, "Hey, motherfucker, you know what are you doing?" So well, he's yeah, he's an asshole. Like, he, I mean, well, let's let's put it quite bluntly, he he's very sh- much a chauvinistic pig. He's very much self centered. He only cares about himself and the doctor. It's pretty right. obvious that he does not give a lick of, of care about Karen. I don't want to give any more stuff away, but there's actually a scene when he, you know, you're going to know what I'm talking about. When he gets to the van, he never grabs her. <laughs> oh, no, I, I've, I've got a note made about that. I've got a note like, about that one as, like, too. What kind of son of a bitch are you? You know, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, well, but let's get back on track, yeah, I guess. Karen's losing her mind. She's like quickly becoming hysterical. I think they gave her right. some, some booze or a pill to kind of knock her out for a little bit. And, uh, but then the next morning, I think it's the very next morning or the next day they're going to, they're talking about going to use Lynn's body. Right. Full on bait for the Yeti. So what's, what's they do? They, they go and use it. And it's funny because the Yeti is right there and they're like, turn the light, which is what they shifted it about three feet. And the Yeti is just there in plain view. And what they do is they, it's it's he the prell he talks everybody into not that there's many people left to talk into but he talks uh, Lynn, uh no i'm sorry he talks uh uh karen and keith to basically they're gonna they're gonna tie lynn's body up to a tree and then and then uh, so so she, she's all like dead now and she looks pretty horrifying and they tie her to a tree and so karen takes on the thing like well she's not gonna shoot this yet she's gonna She's going to take pictures of the Yeti. So when he finally shows up, we're going to take pictures of him once and for all, and then we're going to get the hell out of here. And then, you know, so so they've got the uh, – so, yeah, well, you can go back to where you were. In it. So they've got it. They've got the lights set up. They're going to tripwire this thing. And when they rig up this thing with this wiring, this whole big thing with the tripwires, and it's hooked up to these lights. And, right. you know, when the well, Yeti comes in. They start hearing the heartbeat. <laughs> Right. Heart starts happening again, and they're like, "What's that smell?" I'm like, turn the light, and then the Yeti's right there 
in between Lynn's body and uh, Karen, who was going to take pictures. Right. He bursts forth, knocks Karen down to the ground. Keith has an open shot, but he doesn't take it. Uh, I don't really know why he didn't take it, but well, even if he did, it wouldn't have helped them anyway. We'll get into right. that in a little bit anyway. Right. <laughs> but they escape. Then you know the Yeti escapes, and you know there's some uh, there's a kerfuffle, a little bit of a skirmish. But then they get back at the house. I, there, there's another scene. I don't remember. There's another scene in between these two. I don't remember what happened. But <laughs> they get back to the house, and uh, you find out that well, Karen sees. Uh, Tom's body, she goes out to the, the garage, not the garage, but the greenhouse. Right. And she right. pulls back the the tarp. And it's not Lynn's body that's underneath there. It's Tom's body, which is weird because nobody found Tom's body. All they found was the right. lake. So you find out that that's what Lynn saw. That's why she was running away and ran into the woods and not towards the house. But they right. tried to convince her that she's crazy. Prell and, and Werner do, but right. it's all. But Keith is also buying into it that it wasn't her, uh, his body because when they go back out to the greenhouse, there's just uh, Lynn's body in there underneath the tarp. So right. either she is going crazy or somebody pulled a switcheroo. But right. uh, but then I think uh, I, I forgot how it came to be because they uh, there's another attack where the Yeti is outside and. You hear the heartbeat and whatnot, and then music starts to play. Well, what happens, I'll tell you what happens. Keith goes out, and he's, he's like, he runs out in the thing, and he's looking for the Yeti or whatever. And when he's, like, exploring, he looks up, and he sees a speaker tied to the tree. That's right. He and, does see the and speaker. Then, and he hears the heartbeat. And then... They cut to inside the house is the, the old style reel to reel recording machines. Um, our man, uh, Laughing Crow, is like manning. He's the one operating the, the heartbeat sound that's coming through the speakers. So now we know this is all some sort of bullshit. Now we really know. And yeah, like, I mean, right now we just been, we've been beaten over the head with it, but now it's like in our face. Now, but he lets it go too far. And the heartbeat stops, and there's circus music on it. And so yeah, they're like, music too. Right. It's so, uh, I don't know exactly what. So basically, Keith knows what's going on. He runs. This is when he runs to the van. Remember that? And he gets the fuck out of there. Yes. Yeah, like, he, he leaves Karen his back of the house knocked out because they gave her another tonic or whatever that was right. that they gave her to, to knock her out and get her to sleep. And he hops into Dr. Prell's van and just hightails it the fuck out of there, just drives away. Right. And I even made a note like, like, dude, like, uh, like he just up and leaves Karen there. What a dick move. Like, he doesn't even he has the rifle. He doesn't even attempt to go back in and shoot his way right. in and shoot his way out right. or anything. He just leaves grab, grab the girl, dude. What are you doing? You know, like, why don't you take your friend? You know, it's like, I'm like, the whole time he's driving out, I'm like, you he, fucker. He pulls the, yeah, he pulls the least heroic move in, in the world. Right. And then but, he, he gets, he's, something happens, and then he gets stuck in the mud, or his tire gets fucked up, and he can't get out of this mud thing. Like, he was moving out of the way of something. I forget what was going on there. Well, um, he pulled over <laughs> off the side of the road because the, uh, 
another scene happens in between this. They uh, laughing crow having messed up the speaker system gets uh, kind of berated by um, Dr. Prowl by how much he fucked up. And he says the phrase, Carl is still going to want his dinner. And makes a a point where he says the the code of the what? The Volteri? Was it the the name that they used? The Volteri or Volteri? Yeah. That the girl must be frightened to death. No cuts, no marks, no body no bruises. bruises. No bruises, right, right, right. And and that's before uh, Keith steals uh, the uh, makes it back to steal the van. He tells them he's like, "We're gotta gotta go move the van. The guests need room to park." And that's when you know <laughs> breakfast is for the appointed is on for the appointed time, and they have a group <laughs> of people coming, so they need to move the van so other people can park. Well, he goes out, and I think he. Uh, fights with Dr. Prell, knocks him out, and then steals. That's when he steals the van. He makes it right. halfway off the island, almost makes it to the bridge, but uh, he sees the other cars coming, so he just pulls off the side of the road to let them pass on by, and then he gets stuck. So he right. runs, runs down the road, runs across the bridge, runs even. He runs like for a couple of miles. Like, yeah, he must have been a sprinter in his former heyday, right. But, <laughs> but he he happens to make it you know across the bridge and the first car that come, he comes across is a cop car there's no interaction right. it's done from a very very long long wide shot a very panoramic shot where he uh hops in the cop car and the cop car is heading back towards the compound or back towards the house right there's no conversation with the cop you don't even see a cop at first he's getting in the car yeah very long shot and he just gets in the car, and then that's it at, at that point. And then they cut back to the house. And there's a there's a musical note I made here. I don't know who made the music. I don't know the history behind it. I don't know who originally recorded it or what was the name of the song. But the opening theme of The Shining, well, that's what I know it as. The yes. The of The Shining, that boom, 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 boom. It's... Yeah. yeah. Bum, 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 yeah. The this tune. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. I mean, they even used it in Doctor Sleep. You know, the the Shining right. sequel. But you know, it's very dark and foreboding. But I'm like, I knew that song the minute I heard the first. Yeah, two I notes. caught that. I caught <laughs> that too. I'm like, oh, and that gong, the little gong in the background. I go, oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. the fucking, that's the Shining, dude. Yeah. But that yeah, that kind of lets you know now what you're really in for. You know, you're in for some shit. Um, it's real bad know, now. <laughs> you know the the group gets back to it to, to the house. Keith is not far behind them. He's with the police officer, and right. uh, you know uh, Doctor Werner. It turns out Doctor Werner was in the that there's a couple of Yeti outfits, and that for most of these attacks, when Doctor Prell was on the premises, uh, Doctor Werner was the one that was in the Yeti outfit. When right. when uh, Doctor you know uh, Werner was on the premises, it was Doctor Prell that was in the outfit. They each had their own little separate outfit, so there was more than one quote unquote Yeti. Right, and there there are like t- there's this whole sequence where the Yeti is trying to attack Karen through the window. He bursts right. in through the window, chases her from one room to the next, and she locks herself in another room. And then you know, Laughing Crow is coming and trying to. Uh, she opens a door like a little closet thing or something 
or something small, and he's crouched down in there, laughing crow, and he stands up, and then and then she Raised like a knife, right? And that scares her, and that we assume she has a heart attack. She's so freaked out between the Yeti coming through the window and Laughing Crow coming up, you know, holding his face is kind of painted up too. And he's yeah, holding so this knife. First look like that he's dead. So he looks, you know, very undead, very zombie-like. And right. it's obvious, this is the point where they kind of, kind of, I guess you would say, quote unquote, fulfill the prophecy of killing her without, you know, right. without no bodily any kind of marks. They frighten her to death. And that's the, uh, that's the point. That was what they were trying to do all along. You know, they didn't want a Yeti death or whatever. You know, they, 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 this person that they wanted, they wanted to scare her to death. And she finally did succumb to the fright and she just dies. You know, she's like, like lays down on the floor and we assume she has a heart attack. I do, I do like the little debate between Prell and Warner, debate who delivered the killing scare. Right. You know? Yeah. It was just like, well, I think I, that her moment of the, the moment of impact or the moment of death was like right here when I scared her. Like, no, I think it was me. And it is right. kind of a, a bit, a little bit of levity, a little bit of humor in a you, you know otherwise kind of uh, humorless movie. You know what I mean? Uh, or at least uh, intentionally humorless movie. Well, and then it kind of gets to the dinner scene where they're getting ready to have dinner and they're they got somebody people these people are from all over the globe and i think it's the breakfast i think what we've gone into it's breakfast now and aren't they having a breakfast yeah that's the um breakfast is on for the appointed time i remember it's, that line yeah and so now now we're at the table and all the guests have come in and they're from all over the place you've got yeah, I mean, uh, like france they're from russia they're from africa they're from all over the globe and uh, now we obviously know we're in some sort of a cult who is into this because they do. Dr. Perel sits down um, at the, uh, well, wait, did the cop scene already happen when the cop, we find out about that? Well, the cop, the cop has showed up on the compound with Keith and they're looking through the window at this point. And the right. cop is there with his gun and they're kind of like, you know, Keith is now, like, Perel I told you. These guys are, you know, fucking crazy. They're cannibals, and he just kind of, they're just watching at this point. And then, uh, I don't know, did Prell already get on the ham radio, and he was talking to another guy in another country? Yes. They got a, the guy in the yeah, wall. He, yeah, th that was before, that was before uh, the, the, the cop and Keith stormed back into the room. So Prell is, is talking to this other person, part of this cult, this cult this cannibalistic cult and they've got all their they're going on and yes everything's going fine and you know and he's talking to him and they go back and you know and then they show a picture on a wall of a black and white photo of some guy and that's assuming that's the guy that they're talking to somewhere else so everybody's happy at the table everything's going swell uh yeah, you know. yeah for them anyway <laughs> right so so uh so now i guess they decide that they're going to um him and the cop are going to bust through and straighten it all out. Yeah, Two but it doesn't, go, it doesn't really go as planned, though, does it? No. Uh, the doors swing open. He's got the rifle. You know, uh, uh, Keith, we got the cop holding the gun. His his gun. And so, you know, he's, he's basically like, put your hands up. You know, and he's like, you know, Keith's, you know, giving him the one. So you think, okay, he's coming to the rescue. And so basically yeah. they... Uh, He's going to shoot. 
Yeah, so he pulls the trigger and nothing happens. Prell just laughs at him. And then and Werner says, go ahead, shoot me or something. So he shoots at Werner, and then they find out there's nothing happening. And he goes, you think we would have put real bullets in these things or the bullets or whatever? You find out now that they're, you know, they're, they're blanks. Yeah, and I mean, the whole planning then, this for days, for years. Oh, yeah, right. And then, uh, so then uh, Keith, uh, so Keith, Keith's giving his big speech, you know, and then finally he goes, hey, this is your job. He talks to the cop, you know, and then the cop takes the gun, points it at Keith. And then yep. now we find the cop gives his little speech. And then we find out, oh, the cop's in on this. Okay, so this is all. He's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. He's out of places to hide. He's out of people to find to help him. His his woman is now dead. Right. They wheel, they wheel Karen in. She's in kind of a ceremonial kind of robe, but she's she's very much dead. Laying right. on a on a on a trolley. Well, I mean that there's a big exposition about all the weird uh cannibalistic slash satanic cult and how they're not really a satanic cult, but that's how they started. They're not really right. cannibals. They're, the, but that's how it started. But it's all evolved into kind of this. It's a mixture of old age and new age. You know, they're, right. it's kind of like you know making that whole uh, you know new age seventies kind of stuff at the time, mixing with it ancient occult stuff. Right, and it's, it gets very convoluted when you know Prell kind of explains everything. But you know when you f- figure how convoluted the movie itself is, it all makes sense. Right. But I- I have to say one thing. I do have a very random note. I don't know if it was just this scene or if it was the entire movie, but I'm like, you know, the scariest thing about this movie is Dr. Prell's wig. His hairpiece is scary <laughs> as fuck. But yeah, sorry, I, they got a lot, a little, a lot going on up there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on up there. We're And we're essentially in at the last of the movie. I mean, Keith tries to make a quick half-witted escape, uh, an escape attempt. He knocks the cop's gun away, he makes a run for it, but they all attack him, beat him up, drag him back into the room, bring him back to the little trolley slash altar that they almost made with uh, Karen. And I'll let, you, I'll let you have this one. It's the, to me, it's the single best part of the movie. It's the last scene, the last line of the movie. Well, basically, they're giving Keith an opportunity to join them. You know, they don't just kill him. They could have easily killed him because they all were attacking him in the living room. They're on top of him, and he's he's he, now he's beat up and he's bloody. And they bring him back, and they're like, you know, so they wheel him up, and they're holding him up, and they wheel him over to uh, <coughs> Karen, who's laying on this gurney type thing in her little ceremonial thing. They pull back, uh, like you know, they're gonna get ready to carve into our girl Karen here, and yeah, uh, carve they, they set up the little. Right. Everybody's got plates. Everybody walks up like a buffet. Everybody's got holding plates. All, all the, yes. all the, all the, you know, the cannibals, Satanist cult. Yeah, it, it was like alive. a buffet. That was, that was actually a note I made. It was like a cannibal buffet because they were all up there with plates just yeah. roaring ready it, to for, for dinner. Right. Now, Karen hasn't been carved into yet. They're waiting, you know, and uh, this is Laughing Crow. This is the last scene. <laughs> and uh, he, he, so they got Keith up there. He's like horrified. He's standing there and they got everything. And you look over at Laughing Crow and uh, and uh, he looks and then finally you hear him speak normal. He pulls up. He's, he's holding 
you know, the electric meat slicer that was very popular in the 70s. Oh, and yeah. He said, had one of those in my house. Oh, yeah. You plug it in, you know. And yep. so he pulls up the electric meat slicer and he says, Mr. Henshaw, white meat or dark? And then that's <laughs> it. That's the movie. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Short credit sequence and it's over. To me, that was the best part of the movie was that line. Yeah, that was good. That was the second thing that I called. I'm like, you know, I go, I don't believe for a moment that Laughing Crow can't talk. And it wasn't until that last moment of the movie. And I'm like, well, I guess that's one thing I didn't call. And I'm like, nope. Gotcha. (laughs) Fucking, they they pulled the old rope-a-dope on you. If they would have done one other quick scene behind that, it would have ruined it. It was perfect right there. That's the movie. You're over. Done. Do, do not do anything else. Yeah, no, they, they were at least smart enough to know that was when you needed to end it. They were they were at least smart enough to know that. The end, and then roll the cast, you know, credits. And that was it. That was I was like, oh, cool. All right, all right. That that you know that actually saved the movie for me from uh, you know I usually have a cutoff rating that are movies that I like you know or like ones that I would recommend to watch again. And that movie right. put it just over the edge for it's worth watching again. Like that that ending, that one-liner, I was just like, you know, that's that saved it in my book. You know, maybe I'm silly, but I don't give a shit. That saved it. I'm going to watch it again because I'm going to – because there's so much going on. I want to watch it again. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it. I, I do want to watch it again because as crazy as it was, uh, I, 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 I did like this movie. I thought there was, you know, I thought the writing, they do, you know, the storytelling, you know, the people yeah. behind us, they had a, they had a big story to tell, and I, and I appreciated the movie, I really did, and I enjoyed it. I mean, there was stuff like, oh my god, it's so corny shit, but but that's okay. That's yeah, we're that's, watching. That's gonna that's happen, you know. Grindhouse and right. exploitation films, you know. Exactly. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and get into our final rating as a review, and you know the rules. Guess go first, my friend. Well, I'm going to give this one a solid eight. Um, I I think you know it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen. You know, it's it, it's not going to be the one that I you know talk about you know forever. You know, in my list, if somebody says what's your favorite movie, it's probably not going to make my list. But I enjoyed it. I thought that they really went for it. There's some crazy stuff going on it. You know, just the stuff going back with St. Spencer, that guy, you know, killing his old lady, you know, right there. And then her killing him with the toaster. I mean, it was like, you know, they were going for it. They went for it, you know, and, uh, you know, and I can you can pick anything apart. But I I thought that they that they they tried to make a really cool movie. Um, It had its things where you're like, oh, geez, you know, there were some groaner moments. We're like, oh, boy. But overall, I thought they tried to make a good, a good movie with a big story. And, and as somebody that writes scripts, you know, like I can appreciate that. You know, was it the best acting? No. You know, uh, you know some of the dialogue, some of the shit was corny. But I, I, thought, I thought I was entertained. I liked the movie. And, you know, it's one of those it's so bad, it's so good moments. You hear that a lot, but that was one of those. That was one of those movies. Yes. I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty good movie. I was entertained, and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed sharing it with you guys because I, you know, it was. I you know I had a lot. Of, I thought it was okay. You know, I I had a lot of fun. I was entertained. And so was I. Um, I'm 
coming in a slightly lower on the rating. I'm coming in at a six and a half. But okay. before, you know, like when I was watching it, before I made like my notes and we started recording, I was giving it about a five, five and a half. And to me, a five is the cutoff point. Five and under is like watched it once, don't need to watch it again. You right. can, but you don't need to. But I felt like it was it was complex enough. And I dare say it reminded me a bit and don't I hope you don't take offense to this sir but it reminded me a little bit of our film Blood Moon River where you're I getting, thought about that too I, know, I was I, mistaken I thought about that too with the switcheroo yeah, you know I mean like it's, the, it's a switcheroo where you think you're watching just by just from the standpoint of you think you're watching one kind of movie and in the end it ends up being about a total different kind of movie right you know and the only thing is in Blood Moon River you know we don't beat the people over the head with the uh, exposition of like what we're being in store for. I feel like the, the surprise ending in blood Moon river totally comes out of left field, but right. this one is pretty much they're beating you over the head with it. They're going to wink, wink, look what we're doing to you. We're doing it's setting up and here's the delivery, but you know, <laughs> but considering most of the filmmakers, you know, and the, the, the cast and the crew hadn't worked on more than like one, two, three films. A lot of them were first timers. And a lot of them were what I call only timers. They were the one right. and done. You know, you could tell this was made, and I would think they had a lot of fun doing it. It seemed like a shoot, like they had a lot of fun. They're like, you know, we're just making something. You know, we're not making Ivanhoe here. We're not, you know, we're not making something as epic as Caligula, but we're making something. We're making something fun, and it's just that. It's a very fun movie, and it's very complex for the the ilk of film that it is. You know, it, not you know, in many grindhouse films, you know, you they do a lot of bait and switch where they bait you with thinking that you're watching one kind of movie. And then in the end, it ends up being about something totally different. But right. this was the strong point was in the writing. The, the weak point uh, was a little bit in the, you know, the special effects were very, very minimal. Uh, right. the, the Yeti outfit looked bad. But then again, there are reasons why the Yeti outfit looks bad. And there's, right. you know, and uh, <laughs> there's a reasons why the acting is bad because these people were not real. You know, most of them were not legit actors. They, you know, uh, but you know, they did a, they did a good job with what they were given. It was uh, it's a perfect grindhouse film. I I feel like you know we've we've done several films here. We've done some big ones like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you know, and uh, pieces and whatnot. Now we've done a few lower end of the spectrum ones like this one and you know the incredible two-headed transplant. I think this, to be quite honest, would be a perfect pairing with the first film that we did for Grindhouse Pizzeria. Uh, oh, Shriek of the I Mutilated agree. and the Incredible uh, Headed Transplant. Yep, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. They would be that'd be a good uh that'd be a good drive-in doubleheader. I'd be I'd be yeah. totally into that. Yep. And the movies are both Similar in the fact that they're perfect exploitation films, you know, they're perfect examples of the genre or the genres, you know, but they both end up, you know, start out being about one sort of thing and end out, end up being something else. And right. I like that. about it. You know, is it a perfect movie? No. From a technical standpoint, it's very hard, like, to watch. If you're a type of person that wants to watch things in HD and 4K, I do not recommend this movie. But I, <laughs> I doubt that any better of a print exists. You know, some of the sequences are shot so out of focus and so soft 
and over and sometimes so overexposed that um you know for for uh more mainstream type people if you're a type of person who wants to watch the mainstream horror like halloween or nightmare on elm street you know whatnot some of the big boys i don't know that i could recommend this to them but if you're a right. hard grindhouse exploitation fan i don't think i could re- recommend uh the movie anymore uh you know right. for a grindhouse film it's a perfect 10 this but overall as a film in total it's a 6.5 i got you no i, I agree with your i agree with your score because yeah, you know, I mean, like some movies that are just from a technical standpoint can be really, really good. Doesn't mean that they tell a great story. That just means they're pretty to look at. You know, this well, movie is wrestled around the edges and very hard to look at, and that's what sells it. I think. I, I to me, I like I like that. I like uh, you know, it's like it's like sometimes you know, it's like listening to an old cassette tape of you know a friend of your band's playing in a garage somewhere you know sometimes that may be it's not as cool sounding as going in the studio but there's something raw about it that's really cool and then something like this if you're if you're one of these guys that everything has to look pristine and beautiful you don't want to watch this movie because you're just going to go it's like you're not going to want to watch most of the movies that we're going to read here yeah these are raw they're dirty their editings are kind of shitty the print that you're getting that we're watching was probably something that's been you know, tossed around and driving a thousand times. And, you know, it's probably not the best cut of the movie. And the print's probably kind of wore out. It's got shit, little floaties all over it and little scratches. But who gives yeah. a shit? I don't care. That doesn't bother me at all. I'm not that kind of guy. I don't I know care. What, I know what kind of movie I'm in, I, I was in for by watching the trailer, you know. Right, and by, right. Well, with a name like Shriek of the Mutilated, and you know you're going into right. a movie from 1974 about a killer yeti. Again, if you know what you're in for, then you're not going to be disappointed. If you go into expecting to see, you know, um, Midsommar or Hereditary, you know, more of a right. new new age, newfangled movie like The Conjuring and whatnot, you're probably not going to like it. But if you go okay. into this, to see something cheesy, a little bit rough around the edges and dirty and exploitive, uh, exploitate, ugh, exploitive, <laughs> you, right. you will... It, you'll enjoy it. It's it's everything. It's, it's pretty much everything that I wanted it to be in a in a grindhouse movie. And it you know, it delivers. It delivers in the yeah. grindhouse realm. It delivers. Yes, it does. And I'm I I have to give the thanks to the people at Tubi TV for making this one available. I mean, it's you can find it on DVD. You can find it on Prime. I think it's even on Pluto TV from time to time on one of their channels. So it is readily available, folks, if you want to watch it, if you have any of those streaming services, or just get uh, Tubi TV. It's free. I'm a big uh, advocate of uh, Tubi. There's a lot of great stuff on there, a lot of older and newer stuff that, you know, it's a, it's a free app. So, you know, get it. Get it, folks. I say uh, heads up and thumbs up and props to all those companies, these streaming sites that give us the stuff, because a lot of the stuff, like, you can't find it. You know, a lot, I'm not saying you can't find this because I don't know if you can or not, but there's a lot of movies that you see on there. You're like, you know, you're not going to find this uh, at a store. You may be able to order it online. But the fact that you can just get on a stream and watch it when you want it, I mean, that's pretty cool, especially, you know, not very well-known movies. You know, yeah. <clears throat> some old independent thing from 1974, but there it is. You can just click on it, watch it at your own, you know, at your leisure. 
You know, that's, a, that's some pretty cool technology right there. And good, yeah, kudos to, to spend all the an extra 30, you know, you don't have to spend an extra $30 to find, you know, the retro media DVD or find the right. special edition, you know, Blu-ray or whatever. If you just want to, if you have a couple of these streaming services, surfaces, which most people do, you know, at least have Prime or they got a Hulu or Tubi, you know, a lot of these channels and these services have a lot of great obscure movies these days. And it just, it warms my cold black heart to, you know, to, <laughs> to see some of these older movies getting shown some love, you know, and I'm glad that this showed up in my, you know, suggestion list because uh, I had never seen it before. I passed it up over the years and, you know, I'm sad that I didn't get to see it sooner, but I'm glad I got to enjoy it here with all you folks and with you, Tom. It's been fun. fun. You know, I mean, again, is it a great movie? No, but it's a damn good right. movie. If you want a good time with your friends and some popcorn and beers, this is the movie. This is a good party movie to put on. It, it's, it's a perfect party movie. I agree. If you're a grindhouse if you're a grindhouse nut and you like these old, rough, kind of raw movies, this is perfect. Watch it. You know, watch, like I said, like like Cameron said, man, get you some popcorn, a couple beers, you know, kick back and watch it and have a couple laughs, and uh, you're going to be entertained. That's the bottom line. You're going to enjoy it. So uh, exactly. I, you know, that's what it's about. It's great escapism. It's, it's what it was meant to be. Right. But- exactly. Well, I think we can call this an, call it an evening on this one. I've had it playing in the background while we uh, while we've been talking, and the movie itself just ended. We talked just about the same length as the movie this time. Uh, all right, cool, cool. I just seen uh, Laughing Crow deliver his final line. Well, his only line. So I'll leave right. you with this: <laughs> You want white meat or dark meat? Yeah. We'll take both. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll take a plate to go. I want a to-go plate with me. And I can eat back at the hotel. Thank you. There you go. All righty. <laughs> well, folks, we'll bid you a fond farewell. You have been listening to Cinema Degenerations, Grindhouse Pizzeria. I've been your host, Cameron Scott. This is my good buddy, Tommy K., Tom Commissar. Thanks once again for spending a Saturday evening or sp- Saturday afternoon with me. Appreciate it. And, and until next time, stay real. Okay. And stay real. Stay real. Yeah. Stay real. Stay real scared. And thank you, folks. Had a great time. Thanks, Cameron, as usual. And we'll see you next time for the Grindhouse Pizzeria.
But he knows I hold him guilty for the deaths. But you can't hold Dr. Pro responsible. 